And it's almost time for the weekend, but I think it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. Before we kick it off officially, I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. This is Andrew Gomison, as you said, and I'm here ready to wrap up the month-long emphasis that we've had on the sanctity of human life. And as we have recently commemorated the 41st anniversary of Roe versus Wade, a decision that legalized abortion in all 50 states, we have deemed it important to look at some different life issues. We've looked at adoption already. We've looked at proper respect for the elderly. We've looked at those with special needs. And today we are going to have the return, as I said, of the Speaking for Him Roundtable. And on this particular episode, we will be welcoming back my mother, who is becoming a frequent guest, and my friend, um, who I consider one of my aunts, Aunt Jane Nibelink, to discuss uh, this very uh, important and emotional subject of miscarriage. And one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this to the forefront is because I think it's not discussed enough. People are ashamed to admit when they've had a miscarriage. Many people today delay telling people that they are um, having a baby until the, the possibility of miscarriage is less. But I think in a lot of ways they could tend to do some grieving on their own that they shouldn't have to because they should have some support. Uh, that's my personal view. We'll see what the view of our panel is, but we'll get right into this discussion. But first, I want Adam to give us the quote of the day. Okay. It starts off here by saying, some people say it is a shame. Others even imply that it would have been better if the baby had never been created. But the short time I had with my child is precious to me. It is painful to me, but I still wouldn't wish it away. I prayed that God would bless us with a baby and each child is a gift and I am proud that we cooperated with God in the creation of a new soul for all eternity. Although, not with me, my baby lives. That's Christine O'Keefe Lafser, and that's from her book, An Empty Cradle, A Full Heart Reflections for Mothers and Fathers After Miscarriage, Stillbirth, or Infant Death. All right, and we will have that uh, link to that book on our website, and there may even be some other resources mentioned by our guests as well. And since, uh, because of the sensitive nature of this quote and the topic, I'm not going to really expound on the quote other than the fact that I thought it was profound. But I want to bring in our guests, and I want to ask them, first of all, what they think of that quote in light of their experience. And then we'll go from there with some other questions. So can we start with you, Mom? Well, my feeling is I think it's very well written statement um and i agree each child is a gift no matter how long they lived whether it was just a couple weeks or whether they lived to be an adult um i am excited to know that when i get to heaven there will be children there that i have never met and i just consider it a privilege yeah and i'm um the book that has been meaningful to me is I'll hold you in heaven. And um, this quote reminds me of that. I think I have to look forward to that. All right. And as I said, this will be an emotional conversation. So uh, just bear with us as we go through it because it's not going to be easy, but I hope it will be beneficial to the listener. 
Um, and I alluded to this in the opening, but there seems to be a common idea in my circles to wait three or four months to tell people you are pregnant to minimize the chance of miscarriage and so that you presumably don't have to go back and tell people that you lost the baby. Uh, I would like to know your perspective on this this approach and whether you agree with it, disagree, and maybe what you did in practical experience. Mm-hmm. Mom? Well, when, whenever we were expecting another baby, it was usually pretty hard to wait. We would tell our kids quite early. Um, I... They would tell Remember. me last because I would often <laughs> blab the news before they were ready for the world to know. And this was pre-Facebook. So, <laughs> so. Um, we, we did sometimes wait to tell others. And I remember one time waiting to tell my mom. And that one, actually, I lost the baby after I told her. So, you know, really... It really wasn't significant whether I waited or didn't wait. It was just whenever we felt comfortable. But like I said, we quite often told the kids early. And if they said something, it was like, oh, well, you know, we didn't worry about it. But but we, um, I did not, my first baby especially, I told people right away <laughs> because I was really excited. And I, I was really glad that I did because Andrew being born early, I only had, five months to talk about it. So, so that was a good thing. Yeah. And, and certainly it doesn't change the outcome. You know, it's all in the Lord's hands. Uh, plus I find that it did increase the stress. Um, I kind of think it comes from that old Victorian way of thinking when pregnancies were not talked about. And, um, I was rather reserved and so uh, our first pregnancy had gone so well and our daughter was healthy and, and strong. So I hadn't really thought about the chance of losing the next baby. But um, thankfully we're in a new era and uh, I think today it's much healthier uh, for young women and, and fathers too, to, sh- to share their joy and to share their sorrow if that's what happens. One, one of the reasons it was so difficult to keep it from my children was because if mom is not feeling well and the kids have to help, they really need to understand why mom needs so much help right now because, you know, I would need somebody to get me something to eat or I might have to go take a nap and they'd have to keep an eye on the younger siblings or whatever it was. And so those are important things. If mom is going to need help, she needs to let people know why. I want to pause right here before I go on and tell you that I know that most of these questions are going to be difficult to answer. So if there's anything that you want to pass on, uh, let me know. But I do think this will be beneficial to others. And so I hope that God will give you the grace to answer honestly and we will bear with you. And uh, so I hope this will be helpful. Um, Mom, would you start with this one? How many miscarriages have you had? Um, I believe that I had four miscarriages. The first one I had not seen a doctor yet, but I did um, quite certainly believe that I lost a baby at that time. 
Um, the second one, I had problems for uh, at least a week or 10 days before I lost the baby. The third one was an emergency. The doctor thought I might even die from that one. And then the fourth one, um, it was a very long period of time, again, that it took for me to lose the baby. So um, I had several different experiences, and, you know, they were all different, but they were all difficult um, at, you know, at the same time. Mm. Yeah, this one uh, is hard for me. Uh, maybe I'll have to have my friend Deb read what I wrote because I think you'll understand it better. Okay. Um, Jane has written, I have six babies in heaven, two after our daughter and possible twins. One mis miscarried at four weeks and the other was an ectopic pregnancy several weeks later due to damage in the fallopian tube by an ovarian cyst earlier in the year. After three more long years, the Lord saw fit to give us a son six years after our daughter. I then had two more miscarriages after his birth. It's not an easy thing for me to hear, and so it most certainly was not an easy thing for Jane to share, and, and I think her for that. Um, um, how did it make you feel to go through miscarriage and to have done it four times? Well, um, when I think back of the first two, the first two were born between our third and our fourth child. Um, at that time, we were still quite young, and we had thought for a while that we just, you know, we weren't ready for another child. And I think that was got one thing that God used for us because he wanted us to see that we weren't just going to have children easily and that it, he was going to have to be um, honored in his role of creating life and it wasn't just gonna happen just because we wanted it to and I feel very strongly that that is one reason why I am today so strongly um, pro-life and against um, preventing children because I just believe that we need to trust that God is in charge and if we will trust him, then we never have to regret. I believe that God has given me the children he wanted me to have because I trust him. And when I don't, then I can't, I can't trust that I have done everything that God wanted me to do. Do you have anything to add, Aunt yeah. Jane? I think for me, uh, especially uh, with the surgeries and so on as well, I was very physically worn out and in a way emotionally confused. 
uh, spiritually, I knew and understood the scriptures. I knew that every life had a purpose. I knew that a miscarriage or loss of a child was due to the fallenness of man and that he would not give me more than I would, could bear. However, our churches at that time did not put it on the bulletin. We didn't have the prayer chain. The pastor was never called unless I was hospitalized and my life was in danger. Um, couples were pretty much left to figure it out privately, or thankfully in our case, um, we had very loving and supportive parents, and I had siblings, I had sisters that lived nearby that were very, very helpful. What was hard for me was that I often felt that I was on this journey alone. I would very quickly forget that the Lord and I were in this together. Um, I just wanted to allude to this question of how did they make you feel because I remember very vividly my mother's last two miscarriages. As a matter of fact, I remember, I think it was the third one that she mentioned where things got really hard when I was sitting there in the living room. I think it was a Sunday. You were getting ready to go to church and I was sitting there and her water broke. And I knew that that wasn't something that was supposed to happen for another, I don't know, I think at least five months, if not more, maybe a little less. But it wasn't for a substantial amount of time. And so I knew when I saw that that, that she had lost the baby. And I can remember going into full-on grieving mode. My dad told us to go on to church. Um, I think he got my mom upstairs and she had some difficulties, so he called an ambulance. And the ambulance got there just as we were leaving for church. I originally told my dad that I wasn't going anywhere, but he said it would be better if you guys are gone. Which, looking back, I now understand. And as I went through this, and as I dealt with it, I reached out to people. This is what I do when I grieve. I tell people what's going on, and I look to them for comfort. A lot of people told me that I shouldn't worry too much about it because I already had many siblings. And so in their mind, I'm pretty sure they weren't trying to convey this, but it seemed like they were saying in their mind that it wasn't a big deal. That I had plenty of siblings and that I didn't need to grieve because they were in a better place. But that wasn't what I needed at the time. I needed to have permission to grieve. And some people gave it to me, some people I felt did not, because they didn't understand how, why we had so many children already. Um, so that's a good lead into the next question, uh, and I'll start with Jane this time. And if you want my mom to read anything, just let her know. Do you, did you ever feel guilty for grieving during this time? Uh, no, I actually did not feel guilty for grieving, uh, I did feel a deep sadness, but because of my spiritual roots, I could see beyond the immediate loss. Um, with each succeeding loss, I had to figure out how to hold on to the love I had for each child that I would never get to know without holding on to the pain I think that, for me, was the hardest part, 
It always took longer than I thought it should. While the rest of the world went on, as Andrew said, as if nothing had happened. Uh, that it wasn't, it felt like they didn't see it as significant as I did. And there were times when I did try to cover up my feelings to not let others know because I didn't want them to think I, I was weak or that I wasn't spiritually strong, that I wasn't accepting the Lord's will. I never felt guilty for grieving. Um, I will say that um, the last two, even though they were later and I had little more trouble with them with the miscarriages themselves um they weren't quite as hard on me because between the first two and the second two I had lost an infant child and at that point I understood you know that you know when people said to me oh I understand your loss with your baby because I had a miscarriage I knew that even though there was grief there, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I grieved that I would never see these children born, but it was not the same as losing a child that you know. And so I never wanted to tell people, well, I understand because I lost a baby before it was born. It was the one that was born after it was born that I really knew even though you love all your children, you begin to grow attached to them before they're born, and you grieve that you don't get to hold them in your arms, it's not the same. And I didn't allow, I never allowed anybody to make me feel guilty. Um, even when I talked about my child who died, I'm like, you're going to talk about your kids, I'm going to talk about mine. I'll talk about the one that died before it's born, I'll talk about the one that died after it's born, it doesn't matter. I'm going to talk about my kids. And that's important to me. And if you don't like that, that's your problem. That's not mine. So I'm pretty. I'm a pretty rebellious person when it comes to that. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody can tell me that grieving is wrong, or what I think is wrong. You know, because I'm sorry. That's what I think. That's what I feel. You know, if it's a factual thing, then that's different. But you can't. You can't judge me on my feelings because they are my feelings and that's mm -hmm. the way I'm going to share my life with you is through what I feel and what I have experienced. Yeah, I guess that's why Deb and I are such good friends. Um, I realized too that the grief of losing my babies as hard as it was, it was, it did not to compare to losing my brother who was just a year and a half older than I in a car accident when he was just 16. Um, you have the experiences of life, you have the memories, um, you see your parents grieving, it changes your whole world. It just pretty much tipped everything upside down compared to the loss of the child where it was more, of the of pre, before birth, which was more internal, uh, it was more a personal experience. 
Okay, Adam, before I move on, mm-hmm. did you have any questions or observations or comments? Um, for me, uh, obviously being single and, you know, won't we'll, we'll ever be able to have babies. <laughs> um, how can people react in that situation? Because it's easy to come up and say, I understand, to give a pat on the shoulder, but what was the help that, as a woman going through that loss of a human in you, what was the support that you needed? One of the most important things to me, and actually it came after I was doing better because I was not even home, but a friend from church um, reached out to me um, and came over and brought me flowers and just wanted to share with me that she had experienced miscarriage and she just wanted to let me know she was thinking of me and praying for me. And we actually became quite close friends for a couple of years until she moved away. So I think that um, just just saying things like, I'm praying for you, that means a whole lot more than, well, they're in a better place or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's 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 just somebody walking up to you and giving you a hug, um, just saying, you know, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you. If mom had to have um, surgery of any kind, like in Jane's case, or even you know, even with just a, a with a DNC or something, you know, bring over a meal or offer to take her little kids and give her, you know, for let her have a nap, you know, because she's going to be extra tired. She's got to build back her her iron and stuff after having a baby. You still lose a lot of. Um, you still lose a lot of blood and different mm-hmm. things that you need to get your strength back. And just having somebody say, hey, I'll come take the kids for the afternoon. I'll bring over dinner and you can get a nice nap with yeah. everybody gone. That makes, I mean, somebody did that for me when I had a baby one time. And oh boy, that was, mm-hmm. that was just amazing. She said, take the baby to my house. I'll come over and bring you dinner and I'll watch your kids for the afternoon. And, oh, I just remember that. I was just... It was like, you know, she made up her guest room for me to take a nap. It was wonderful. It was one of the most mm -hmm. significant things of all my childbearing years that anybody did for me is to say, you need to rest. I'll do this for you. And I think, you know, the more, the later the miscarriage is, the more kids she has at home, the more difficult the miscarriage was, the more she's going to need, um, my first one wasn't bad, and I really didn't tell mm-hmm. very many people. I wasn't; it wasn't significant. I didn't lose a lot of strength. I didn't need that help. Mm-hmm. But boy, the second one, I sure did. Yeah, and with um, each succeeding yeah. pregnancy, uh, in my case, uh, it just—it's very wearing on you physically mm-hmm. as well as emotionally. Yeah, and just just those kind of things—the hug the prayers, the cards, anything that just says, hey, you know, I I just want you to know that I'm here. Especially if you have experienced miscarriage mm-hmm. and can reach out to somebody. You know, when I had a friend who lost her baby, she called me because she knew that I had recently lost a baby and she wanted somebody else to know. And it wasn't something that they could 
they felt they could share with everybody. You know, mm-hmm. they wanted us to know. And we remain friends to this day. And there's just that connection mm-hmm. that we both ma- we made because we had a shared experience that we wouldn't know if we didn't both reach out and say, I have this, I had this thing happen to me. And when you have that to share, there's going to be somebody out there who needs to know that. You can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you. Did you ever, this is for both of you again, did you ever ask why? And has God given you any insight into that? I know a lot of times God never fully answers those questions, but I was just curious to know what he's done in your case. Yeah. I think for me with um, each succeeding loss, I had more medical questions than I had spiritual questions. Um, Not to say I didn't have both. Um, Why was my body betraying me in this way? Um, We only had the one child. I was raised to be a wife, a Christian wife and mother. And when we married, we talked about a big family. So we never imagined we would have so much trouble. And also, um, this is the hard part for me, was there something wrong with the child that I wouldn't be strong enough or emotionally able to handle, such as a child like Andrew, who has cerebral palsy and is in a wheelchair? Because often the doctor's comment would be, you know, just be thankful that the baby aborted naturally. There's often something wrong with the child. And, um, or was the Lord sparing me grief later on in life when maybe I would lose that child like I did my brother? Or in other, you know, things that, you know, can, you know, really um, hurt a family. My mind would go through all those things And like Andrew said, there often is not answers. And I just had to accept the fact fact that our life has a purpose. Our families are in his hands. We need each other, but we need the Lord even more. And without the Lord, those years would have been much much harder. Do you have anything to add, Mom? Well, as I mentioned before, I really felt that the first two miscarriages were used by the Lord to teach us about the value of his part in our childbearing. Um, I did name each of my children. The first one is actually named for um, uh Precious peace, it's, it's a Hebrew name, it means precious peace. And I felt that God gave me peace in that. The second one, um, I believed, was a girl, and I named her, f- which meant uh, a name that meant wisdom and joy. And I really felt that that was because God was trying to teach me wisdom to trust him. Um, 
the third one, I named a name that meant just. God is just. And and the last one, I chose a name that meant rejoicing. And so I believe that God was trying to teach me those things. And so therefore, I chose names for my children that meant that. All my children's names were chosen for a meaning. And my unborn ones, it was not any different. Um, now, this was a personal thing that I named them. Um, my husband and I did not name them together. I chose the names myself because I felt that was that was my personal um, thing. I didn't. It was your didn't, journey. Yeah, it was it part was, of my journey. It, it was, was not. It was not something I did at the time of the miscarriages. It was something I did later on. And I just really felt strongly that God was teaching me those lessons that I needed to have trust in him and that I had to rejoice in him. And so that for me was what I felt I was learning along that trial. Yeah, and it, it gives each of them an identity. Mm-hmm. There's a reality to that. Right. And uh, later I did name my babies as well. I'm not sure I put quite the <laughs> uh, thought into it that that Deb is talking about. But, you know, it just seemed like they needed uh, to be recognized and identified, even though I didn't know whether they were boys or girls. Um, like Deb, there were a few that I had, you know, a mother's instinct. But uh, that's an important thing. Don't feel silly doing something like that. If Just journal it. Just make it your private time with the Lord. It, it's very helpful. I know uh, that that's so important, and I can't remember any specific times, but I'm pretty sure that as I went through the grief process, especially with my brother that was born and then passed away, that there were times when I asked God to convey certain messages to him, and that could could be construed as a very weird thing and i don't know whether god does that or not but it was something that i'm pretty sure helped me through that experience as we finish up i just have one more question and then uh, a short observation and then we will be done with this episode thank you so much for being open and honest with us i know it wasn't easy to talk about and it wasn't easy to hear but i think that as we open this dialogue, I think you're going to help a lot more people be comfortable with discussing these issues. Um, do you, as we end, do you have a Bible verse that has helped you in these times? And we'll start with Jane, and then we'll go to my mom. Yeah, one of the first verses that was always, you know, my rock was Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you that showed that there was an existence before. And then I came across uh, David's words in Samuel, Second Samuel 12, verse 23. Uh, when the people asked him, um, he had, in, in David's case, this was with uh, the baby they had with Bathsheba, and then later the baby became uh, 
got sick and then died. And he had been praying and weeping over the child and uh, asking the Lord, of course, to heal the child. And ultimately, after the child's death, uh, he stopped that, that grieving by saying, but now he is dead. I cannot bring him back again. I shall go to him, but he cannot return to me. And that always was um, that calm assurance that I needed to know that these babies were, they had an existence beyond this life, um, that God's promises were true, and they were true in the prenatal, the postnatal, and the eternal two verses that kind of mean the most to me are the one in Jeremiah. I can never remember the verse, but it, um, in Jeremiah it says, I know the plans I have for you, mm-hmm. says the Lord, the plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought it was, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> and then in the New Testament, it says, we sorrow not as others who have no hope. And Absolutely. those are really special verses to me. It... Um, not just because I have a daughter named Hope, <laughs> but they, they, that was one of the reasons I cho- wanted that name is that because I have, I have a hope. I have a hope for the future. I have a hope for my children, for every single one of them, no matter how long they lived, where they live, or how they live. God has a purpose in their life. And I just really appreciate that he gives us that kind of encouragement in his word, that he knows what plan he has for our life. All right. Well, again, I thank you both for opening up and for sharing. I think this will be beneficial. And even for myself as a, as a single man, I think having experienced it as a brother, and having watched my mom go through it, it will, Lord willing, make me a better husband and father someday because uh, the possibility is there that I will go through a similar experience with my spouse, although I hope that won't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but having known that, uh, I have a much greater understanding than many people in my situation, and I think that's helpful. And so I hope that for the listeners out there that they have been benefited by this and the other discussions we've had about life issues. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring this out so much with these four episodes, I think it is, is because so many times the pro-abortion side of things tries to say that all we want to do is keep these children alive for no other purpose than to, than to go against them. And it's not about that. It's about the fact that God has a purpose for every life, whether born or unborn, that he has a purpose for every child that he chooses not to allow to enter the world, um, that he still has a purpose. And so I hope that as we've reflected on these issues uh, this January, that you have been benefited and blessed. And I hope that you will freely download and distribute this podcast and the other ones from this month especially, to those who you think may need to hear them. Um, you're w- more than uh, welcome to make whatever copies you want and share them as needed. 
And I'm just so thankful that these shows came together. Continue to pray for us as we move on into February and go forth, continuing to serve the best of masters in 2014. For Adam McNutt, my executive producer, I am Andrew Gamason saying, keep serving the best of masters.